Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 202 of Allied Strategies. My name is Tristan. Joining me, as always, is my friend, Sam. Hello. And... Sam, you screwed up. What? Ready. I even what? reminded you. I don't remember. You're supposed to make a special greeting. For you who? promised a listener. What? I'll just do it. Just uh, Tristan, ask me how I'm doing. And also, don't do it. Don't listen to Ben. Don't don't be in the pocket of Big Ben. Hello, Gak. (laughs) Oh yeah, that did happen. I remember now. (laughs) Don't be in the pocket of Big Ben. That's uh, you know, the London Mulligan really reaching far and wide. That's true. (laughs) Okay. This week, our main topic is going to be a retrospective of Modern Horizons. We're going to talk about uh, the set, what we'd hoped for when we heard it was announced, uh, differences between what we hoped for and the reality, problems we had with the set, things that we thought the set did well, uh, and kind of the future of these Modern Horizons style sets and products and, you know, continuing the Masters tradition, I guess, um, in Magic. So that's going to be our main topic. But first... Before we get there, we have a bunch of other things to do. The first of those is thanking our illustrious friends of the podcast over at Patreon.com. Those are Matt, Brett, Kiki, Jiki, and Winchester. And then also our good friends of the podcast over at Patreon.com. Adam, Matt, Britton, Kyle, Caroline, Eric, Zach, Sam, Duncan, Baptiste, Ari, Wilson, Tobias, Paul, Ryan, and Will. Thanks for your support. And, uh, you know, last week when, when I learned that I'd been mispronouncing one of our dear patrons' names uh, when John Stern was on, it, it brought me to thinking that, you know, it's possible that some of the other names on this list are, are being mispronounced. And if, if that's happening to your name, you know, reach out and I'll, I'll correct it. I'll do the best of my ability to correct it. Um, so, you know, just, just putting that out there. You know, I didn't actually realize that Paul Ryan was a good friend of our podcast. <laughs> yeah, we have Paul and Ryan in that order. That's a, that's a funny little quirk of the, the order that people signed up on Patreon. We do our good friends of the podcast in in that order, except Will is always last by request. So that's um, that's how that goes. By the way, we're we're we'll take pretty much any special request that's not too hard to do. So you know. what happens if another patron requests to be last? Will they? Like, I think will... that Will gets last as because he's the oldest patron. Like I think I think seniority is what leads to Adam being first, for instance, on the good friends list, uh, and so Will would have seniority, so his request would have priority. Seems last. reasonable. Yeah. Seems fair enough. But I, I would be willing to, to you know, convene the tribunal and, and discuss this. Uh, I, I think any request to be last should come with an argument, a formal argument laid out um, in 12-point font about why your request should override Will's. And I think that we will consider it then. Okay. And what is the relevance of the font size? It's just important. It makes it sound more official if you say the font size. <laughs> okay. <laughs> is that true? <laughs> okay. Um... Anyways, this week, uh, Sam, I understand you have a, a Patreon question of the week for us. Yes, this this question comes to us from uh, Corey B., who is apparently a professional Magic player, which, you know, you would think would narrow it down, but actually is not all that helpful. Uh, <laughs> so the question is, assuming Hogak is banned and I want to play Grixis Control, how many copies of Spell Snare should I play in my deck? Oh my god. It's a very difficult question for me because I think Jund will be very popular and Renin 6 is a big problem card for Grixis in its current iteration. Making sure it doesn't hit the table sounds important. Then, there are decks like Phoenix where Spell Snare is not that good. It has its uses, but I also expect to be popular. In your expert opinions, how many Spell Snares should I have in my main deck? 
Uh, this is a question I've, of course, given a lot of thought to. And uh, I believe the correct answer is is three. But also, I have no expertise with the Grixis archetypes, so that's that's just where I'm at. I, I don't know what you think, Ben. <laughs> Corey, why? Can't, can't we just register zero and play a different deck? <laughs> Please? You don't understand. That, that, that breaks Corey's stipulation for modern tournaments. Yeah, I don't think I don't. It sounds like you don't know Corey all that well. Okay. <laughs> you, you might have mixed him up with the other Corey B. I mean, on oh, the plus side, that's true. It was ambiguous as to which Corey B we were referring to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. On the plus side, he never loses. So when when we're teaming together for Indianapolis, we'll probably just win easily. So as to the actual question, I think the answer is definitely more than zero because you have Snapcaster Mage in your deck, and that makes like diversifying your spells like pretty good. Um, on the other hand, I have no idea what the format looks like without Hogak in it. D- does Grixis so... play Faithless Looting? No. No? Okay. I'm going to put my money on two. Two was the number I was thinking of, yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So there You've we got go. that official answer for me, Corey. I, I bless you to have two Spell Snares in your main deck. Okay. Uh, great, great question, Corey. Thanks, thanks so much for yeah, that one. That yeah, that was really good. Mm-hmm. If all Patreon questions of the week could be that excellent, we would, we would really be humming along. <laughs> okay. Also, wait, wait, hold on. Where's? Oh, he's just a regular patron. He's not a good friend. Okay. No. no I just no, wanted no. to be sure that he had the authority does, to submit a question. Don't worry. I verified this. We have comprehensive checks and balances that would prevent any kind of Patreon question of the week. Yeah, we, we would not allow any kind of tomfoolery in that department. Nor I don't think that's what the phrase checks and balances means, but okay, sure. Okay, well, I'll, I'll check and balance that later. Um, Sam, what is your card of the week this week? Uh, my card of the week this week is Monastery Swift Spear. It's one red for a one-two prowess haste. Um... And this is a card that I feel like hasn't gotten a lot of discussion. Like, it kind of has flown under the radar. People haven't talked about it that much. So I thought it would be really interesting to talk about it as my card of the week this week. Because, you know, no one has, like, really ever heard of this card. It's not popular at all. What do you think, Tristan? Yeah. So my card of the week is also Monastery Source Sphere. And I think one of the things about this card, like, flying under the radar is a perfect... That, that's actually kind of the, the imagery I have for what's happening on the battlefield when you attack with this into a bridge from... Uh, like, an, uh, through an ensnaring bridge. And then you grow it afterwards uh, so that it can deal more damage but has still attacked through the ensnaring bridge. That's a pretty nifty thing that, that the Monastery Swift Sphere can do, uh, flying under the radar in an actual game of magic. I, I think this one's just a, you know, it, it keeps chipping away and uh, slices in for big, big hits as needed sometimes, but often just represents, you know, five easy points of damage in, in a lot of games. And that's just a really good spot for a one drop to be uh, in these red aggressive strategies. A hidden gem from Cons of Tarkir. Yeah. No one really thought this card was going to be competitive. It's been a surprise to all of us. <laughs> what, what's happening? <laughs> uh, I just got paged. Um, got paged? Are you okay? Do you need to go work? Yes. I am okay. I need to go check a graph for three minutes. All right. We'll, we'll keep talking about Monitor Sysphere until such a time as you return. Great. Did you transition to me while that was happening? Because I had to get up and grab my phone real quick. No, you're good. No, you, we did not. You, you, you've been fine. We're, we're still live. Uh, no editing We're not live. This. We don't podcast live, Tristan. That's true, yeah. But we're still recording, and I intend to not cut out any of this. Um, oh, my God. So, you know. All right, let's talk about Monastery Sysphere for three minutes. Go ahead. All right, good luck with your graph. Um, so, yeah, Ben... Ben has some priorities that aren't this show, but 
Uh, rest assured, you know, Sam and I do have this show as our as our really only priority right now, listeners. We focus it's on all I'm doing primarily. at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and know that you know, even if you don't want to support Ben's behavior, a full two thirds of your Patreon contributions do go to me and Sam. Um, so that's you know you're still getting pretty good efficiency on on your contribution there. Uh, and only one third goes to support Benjamin, who will presumably have some very uninspired card of the week to pick after Monsters of Spear. Um, but yeah, Sam, let, let's go back. Are there are there any other characteristics of this card that really make it card of the week worthy for you? Well, the thing I want to know is actually, do you remember where you were when you first saw Monastery Swift Spear? I do, yes. I, I remember I was, um, at the time I was in college, and whenever a new set would come out, I would help uh, open packs of the new set for the, our local store so that they could get an inventory set up. So we like open packs and organize all the cards uh, so that they could then have a, a baseline inventory. So we opened like 40 boxes or something on the first day. And I remember seeing Monastery, Monastery Swift Spear and thinking, oh, yeah, this, this is kind of cool. It's it's one of those cards that, you know, it has two keywords on it. It costs one mana. Uh, it just it looked interesting. And uh, at the time, I was mostly playing Limited, and I don't think the card ended up being all that, you know, pick or great in Limited or anything, although it wasn't awful or, uh, either. So I, my, my evaluation of it was probably low for that reason. But, yeah, I, I definitely remember the first time I see that. You know, it brings me back to that storeroom where I was sorting those cards. How about you? Uh, I have no idea where I was. Okay. But it is definitely one of those cards where when you don't know how strong prowess is, you know, like at the time we did, it was, this was an early prowess card. So we didn't really yeah, this know. This the first set with prowess in it, I think. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, there had been some like pseudo, you know, some fake prowess type mm. things that had, you know, a similar ability. Some film fiend-esque stuff. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. Okay. But like you, you didn't until you like played with prowess and saw like oh yeah this is actually really easy to trigger you know four or five times in a turn it it, it was really interesting to me how strong that ability was how much stronger than i thought it was yeah i, I don't know if you guys know daniel wong frequent modern gp top eight competitor with his quadruple sleeved uh, taking turns deck uh, it's happened multiple times now uh, and plays it on the pro tour as well whenever he gets there uh, which happens after every time he does that other modern gp uh, happens this, shockingly often. Yeah, very shockingly often. Um, but he has this really annoying thing he does, and I, he used to be my roommate as well. Uh, he's this really annoying thing he does where he comes up with really stupid names for cards and just relentlessly calls that card that name. And his name for this one wow. was Taylor Swift Spear. And that oh, was just, I called it that too. So okay. I, I wonder where he got that yeah. habit from, Tristan. It was yeah. <laughs> there's there's no way to know, Benjamin. It, it could be almost anywhere. Are you back? Certainly not someone he lived with. No. Um, yes, Pinterest will be fine. Everything's fine. Okay. Um, Nothing's on fire. Well, um, don't don't sell all my Pinterest stock. I, I had my finger, legally, finger on the trigger. Ben, legally can legally not give you any advice not, on that. Yeah. yeah. I'm legally obligated to make no comments on whether or not you should buy Pinterest stock. Okay, listeners, read into that whatever you'd like. Um, and Benjamin, what is your card of the week? We've just spent the past ten minutes filling air about Monster Swiftsphere, so take us take us in a, a new direction here. Right. Um, so my card of the week is Monastery Swift Spear, and both of what you are very hell? rude for having stolen, rude stolen it from me. Um, and I wasn't really paying attention to what you said earlier, but I'll assume you said most of the good... You know what? No, that's not true. You probably just rambled on about worthless things. So Swift Spear uh, is good in the you know, the, the recent Mono Red Prowess and uh, Mono Red Phoenix decks that have been showing up in Modern recently which don't have Hogak in them, so they will survive a ban. Um, and I've been playing kind of recently, and I have a lot of fun with. They're kind of a blast to play. I think it's they're really interesting. You have a lot of close decisions. 
faithless looting without like ways to abuse it and cards that like obviously go in your graveyard means you have a lot of close decisions about when to cast it and what to discard, which is really cool. Um, also, uh, the deck is just really powerful and I think it's going to be able to compete uh, with the top modern decks. Um, and then I have you think one it'll last be fine in a post Hogak world. Sorry, what do you say? I said, do you think it'll be fine in a post Hogak world? Because I felt when I played it, I felt like a big part of the power level came from it exploiting Hogak's inability to block. Do you think that it'll it'll just carry on and you know be totally okay after the after Hogak or? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think it is decent against Hogak. I don't I don't even know if it's necessarily good against it. Like if, if they play the eight eight, it's kind of hard to to win, but. Uh, For sure. I think that the power level of the deck is just pretty high. And if you draw Faithless Looting and Arclight Phoenix together, you're favored to win almost any match, I think. So luckily, you don't have a lot of control over when that happens. <laughs> Sorry, favored to win the game, not the match. Um, I also have one funny story to tell you about Monastery Swift Spear. Uh, when Modern Horizons was spoiled, I wanted to build um, an Unearth deck with wizards, like a wizard unearth deck. Because I was like, oh man, like Dreadhorde Arcanist and Unearth is really good. And like Snapcaster Mage and Dark Confidant are good wizards. And like Adelise, like is pretty good with Unearth. You can like unearth it and then attack and like lightning bolt them. And then maybe like flashback a lightning bolt with your Dreadhorde Arcanist. And that's like a bajillion damage. So that sounds kind of cool. So I built this deck and I put Monastery Swift Spear in it. And it took me about four matches to realize that Monastery Swift Spear was not a wizard. <laughs> is a human monk. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. I have seen it in a lot of the wizards decks, like when people play, you know, with like uh, wizards lightning or whatever. I and I also keep having it's it's one of those things that I feel like I keep having to relearn. Actually, it's because Soulscar Mage is a wizard, so I just one two prowess is a wizard. That's just that's what that's what my head is about. Yeah, it's very easy to lump them together. All right, let's advance from Card of the Week to our main topic, where we'll be discussing, actually, something we talked about a little bit in Ben's Card of the Week, Modern Horizons 1. Uh, I guess just Modern Horizons, but MH1 is the the stupid, you know, three-digit tag for it, so I keep seeing it as Modern Horizons 1. Anyways, uh, Modern Horizons, this set that was announced, and then we saw spoilers a little bit after that. I kind of want to talk about where, what we were hoping for when we heard the announcement of Modern Horizons 1. Uh, so at that time, we, we heard that there were going to be some reprints from Legacy that would move into Modern, uh, and then some cards that were entirely new that were also kind of aimed at Modern, but uh, obviously some of those have started seeing play in Legacy as well. Uh, and then also a, a limited environment that you could play in. So uh, let's start with the, the cards that were imported to Modern from Legacy. When you heard this announcement, Sam, what, what was on your wish list for, for cards to come here? Um, my first thought was a lo- was that that was actually where a decent amount of the power level of the set was going to come from. Like, I was expecting Vindicate, Cabal Therapy, you know, cards in that space, um, which really wasn't what we ended up getting. So, yeah, I, I, that, I guess I was thinking that, like, a lot of the legacy staples or cards that seemed really attractive and you know have been in and out of legacy uh would come into modern like maybe not the cards that were like always in legacy like no brainstorm nothing like that but like the the fringe the fringier players i guess was what i was thinking yeah so so, some of the like top hundred most played cards in legacy of which we really didn't see very many in modern horizons one after all 
yeah, that did not end up being what it was about. Mm-hmm. Benjamin, how about you? What, what what were you hoping for in this uh, from from the cards imported from Legacy to Modern? I was kind of hoping for like efficient, cool build arounds that like never really made it in Legacy. Um, so like a card like Goblin Bombardment. That card's not legal in Modern, right? Pretty Correct. sure. It's not. Yeah. So like a card like Goblin Bombardment. Which is one of those, like a one in a red for sacrifice a creature, deal one damage to any target. Like those sorts of cards, and, and like Carrion Feeder, um, are cool, built like sort of build arounds or like synergy pieces that are strong, but like never quite made it in Legacy because the power level is a little too high. Um, I was hoping they could sort of like buffer some of those kinds, same kind of strategies in Modern. Um, and I guess they they keep reprinting cards from Goblins, right? like, over and over and over again. Um, and so, like, a card like uh, um, like Goblin Sharpshooter or something like that, maybe that one's too strong, but uh, those cards can increase the playability of a wider variety of decks in Modern, which I, I think could be cool. Mm-hmm. And we got... Did we get anything along those lines? I guess uh, among the cards that they did print... Uh, from Legacy, what what are some of the ones you guys have been most excited about? Is there anything really stood out for you that uh, you, I think you've the, been a fan of? The cycling lands have been the biggest ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, those are you know, cool. The, the Baron Moor, the whatever those ones are called. Uh, those those have seemed like the most potent that we've gotten so far. Uh, let's see. I, I think that's like the only. That's really the only. I guess Unearth also has shown oh, up a little yeah. bit. Oh yeah, I love Unearth. And, yeah, I mean, Unearth Karen... was a pretty cool addition. Carrion Feeder is good in Hogak also. So Yeah, I mean, that's that true. Is, I mean, it, I think Carrion Feeder would be good in non-Hogak decks as well. Hogak just happens to be the best home for it. I agree. I think once Hogak gets banned, then Carrion Feeder will, will get to put in some good, honest work, you know. His father that, you know, is running this this illegal, organized crime syndicate is finally going to get caught by the cops, and then, you know, he's going to have to put in his, his honest day of work. Yeah. Okay, that was weird, but yeah, something like that. Kind of that. unclear what just happened there, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> so all in all, I'm I'm actually reasonably happy with, like, I, I think that one of the worries about this format was that it was going to turn modern, or that this about this printing was that there were going to be uh, modern starting to look like Legacy if a lot of the important cards from Legacy ended up moving to modern. And instead, what we got was we got a lot of kind of watered-down versions of Legacy cards. So instead of Mother of Runes, we got Giver of Runes. Um, instead of Force of Will, we got Force of Negation, which ended up being a, a powerful player, or which ends up being a, a powerful player in Modern uh, still. Uh, and we got we got kind of a bunch of cards like that that were downgraded, nerfed versions of Legacy cards. Uh, and I remember at the time, Sam, that as particularly like the first week of spoiler season when they announced basically all of these cards, uh, you were pretty disappointed, I think, from from both like a a creativity perspective uh, and from the perspective that, okay, mod- modern isn't going to become a legacy clone. It's going to become like legacy light where everything is the same sort of stuff that's happening in legacy, just at a slightly lower power level. Uh, how do you feel about that now that that's actually been out and modern's been played with these cards? I mean, I think modern has retained its identity. Certainly. I don't think that the, the legacy light thing really ended up happening. Um, I am still a little disappointed that, you know, we have Giver of Runes instead of just giving us Mother of Runes, and I, I'm a little unhappy with how, how those things played out. Um, but, you know, the the new cards 
definitely made their presence felt and made things feel different than Legacy. Like Ren and Six and Hogak. Well, you know. well, I mean, both of those cards are seeing play in Legacy. Uh, yeah. Oh, sure, but I mean, I, I think they have also given this format its own identity and own feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, Hogak is something we can talk about because you know, just any time a set is printed that has such a big. I I, struck, I I I don't really want to say mistake, but I kind of I think it'd be fair to describe Hogak, Hogak as a mistake. Um, that's kind of going to take over some of the airtime for the like. If you just think about Modern Rising's impact on Modern, Hogak is uh, sucks up almost all the air from that discussion, right? Yeah, for now, I think it definitely does. Uh, although um, we are expecting a ban in two weeks when when we get the next ban and restricted announcement, of course. Yeah, I mean, Hogak just feels to me like they pushed a little too hard on something that they probably shouldn't have pushed on. Like, it didn't need to have quite the insane numbers that it did, I think, to get over. I think, like, it would have been a good... Yeah, 5-5 or a different cost or whatever. Yeah, no trample. I think if you just don't give it trample, it's kind of fine, to be totally Mm -hmm. honest. Maybe it's not, actually. Maybe you would just see more altar and, like, combo-based decks and less trying to attack with the 8-8. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it would certainly be weaker. It's just a question of how much weaker those game plans are than the other. Um, I, anyways, the, the, I think we can, we can all agree Hogak ended up kind of... I, we'll, we'll have to, to reevaluate the format once, or the, the set a little bit more once Hogak got, goes. And, you know, we haven't really get, gotten to see the Modern Horizons modern format without Hogak in it. Uh, so we may end up updating our judgments further as we learn more I, about what that looks like. I think we get previews, though. Like, I don't think you can just discount all the other decks that people play. Like, I believe that they are not as good as Hogak, but I think it's going to be pretty representative of what the universe looks like when Hogak is gone. Because it's not like killing Hogak kills a bunch of different decks, right? Well, but Ho- Hogak is fairly metagame warping, I think. Yeah, yeah like... it's, it's possible we could see new players, but I do think that... Um, like people did not did not shy away from adopting other modern horizons cards like you can still modern with modern horizons is still very visibly different okay uh so what what are some examples of that uh benjamin and and how do you feel about them i mean these urza decks have like reinvigorated the the lantern prison archetype i guess without <laughs> having lantern in it are you right. a fan of of that strategy being good in modern or or No, but this deck is is different. It's it's not always a prison. Like it has prison elements, but like also it just has the Thopter Sword combo to kill you. So it's not like it's miserable. Like you just lose when they get the Thopter Sword into play. So Yeah, I, yeah, I, I think it, I'm I think honestly surprised you described it. You described it that way. I didn't think of it as a prison deck really at all. Well, they've like got it... like some bridges <laughs> and sometimes chalice and like sometimes uh um, you know, uh, like War of Invention. I don't. I don't know. Maybe it's it's a little more of a turbo combo deck, but it it definitely does have some prison elements to it. Yeah, and it yeah. has some of the interactions of Lantern without the same problematic tournament implications. So maybe that was a good mm-hmm. way for them to print that into modern. Yeah. Okay. And I think um, also Lava Dart is a really cool card to have in modern. I've I've been loving casting it uh, in the prowess decks, uh, and also in Phoenix. It's a it's sort of a neat inclusion. Like not a whole bunch of them, but just the ability to the the way it interacts with Arclight Phoenix is really powerful. 
And I also love, um, oh shoot, what was the card? Oh man, I had it in mind. All right, Man, so sir? someone else go. Oh no, Unearth. Unearth was what you, you talked. You you touched briefly on Unearth earlier, Sam. And I want to say that I think Unearth is really cool in that it opens up a ton of possibilities because it works so well with three mana cost creatures, of which there are in, an enormous amount in Modern. Um, and so that like opens up a really wide puzzle for deck building, which I think is really neat because Unearth is a really powerful card. Like, you see it in the Mardu Death Shadow decks. Just recurring Ranger Captain of Eos is super powerful. Um, but that's just one three-drop. Like, that's just one example of a three-drop that you can do this with. Yeah, Ranger Captain is actually another one that I am really happy with how it worked out. And I think the reason that I like that one, where I didn't like all of the sort of retreads of older cards, is that Ranger Captain is, like, a card that was previously good enough for modern and not never really good enough for legacy that uh, had kind of fallen out because of, you know, because of various things about the format, the format speeding up and getting more powerful. Um, and like, you know, in the, the case with like giver of runes, I can go play mother of runes in legacy and I can get that same experience. There was really nothing like uh ranger of Eos that I could play somewhere else. So I've been really happy to see that one like showing up and being good. Yeah. So kind of seeing modern horizons as this vehicle for classic modern decks that have, you know, fallen out of favor to be brought back in and not just, you know, legacy decks being important to the format. Yeah. I I like that a lot. Mm -hmm. I think that's absolutely a a good thing that modern horizons where it has done that has, has done something great. Yeah. Um, Okay. Let's talk a little bit about the, the, um, I guess one thing that is worth talking about quickly is just that uh, in addition to this constructed impact with Modern Horizons, uh, one thing that I think I think most everybody has positive thoughts about um, is the limited environment and the Pro Tour limited environment that it brought. Uh, I don't know, Ben, you obviously had a, a, quite a bit of success with Modern Horizons limited. Uh, how, how did you feel about the, the entire, you know, having this kind of like super expert level limited set? Uh, I mean, in, I, I, in as well. I think this limited format is one of the best of all time. Uh, it's, I think it's really, really, really fun. The draft archetypes are really uh, interesting and cool, and I won a lot at it. So all of those sort of combined to make a really good format. Um, I was really happy that we got to play it at the professional level. I think this Pro Tour and the previous Pro Tour gave, brought really unique draft experiences to the Pro Tour, although I think it this one kind of overlapped with the previous one because um, War of the Spark actually felt a lot like a master's set, I guess, with all the planeswalkers. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really enjoyed just the whole experience. It's, it was really fun just both from the cards being unique and not a standard feel, like not playing normal limited, like closer to cube, and just also having them be more powerful than a normal standard set. It, it's fun to play with powerful cards. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Sam, do you have an a agreement or disagreement on the on the limited side? Yeah, I, I totally agree. I My one qualm with the format is I thought the blue-black ninja deck was pretty miserable, and I, I think that one... I, I would not have designed that one that way. I felt like it had a little too much of, like, you better have a removal spell for the first thing they do, or you're going to lose mm-hmm. to it. Um <clears throat> 
but otherwise I thought this was, yeah, I totally agree. An all time great limited format and really exciting to me to get to play this limited format at the PT. Like I thought, I, I thought that was really cool and, you know, something that was very different from, uh, from previous pro tours and previous limited formats. So yeah. I was really happy to get to do that. Previous master sets, even you haven't, we haven't really seen master sets at the professional level. Like sometimes we see them at worlds or we saw them at worlds. Um, like I remember when we had the vintage masters sleeved up with old cards at worlds that one year. Uh, but for the most part, these, the, the, the old master sets would kind of skip the PT level and would just be some summer GPs, right? Uh, yeah, that's definitely true. Getting, getting to see them really feel like they had a big purpose and like I really cared about them was very different for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that <clears> part, I think, was, was definitely pretty exciting. All right, Sam, let, let's move on to our complaining about the, the set section, uh, which you, you're going to be our, our captain of, because I think you, you're, of the three of us, you're the person who has the most complaining to do about it. Yeah, I, I feel like this should be more of a debate and less of a let's all complain about Modern Horizons, as right. in, like, Sam is going to complain about it, and then I'm going to try to argue the opposite, because I actually really like Modern Horizons. I think it, I think it's great. Okay, I, I, sh- I shall moderate this debate then. Wow, do you, actually, do you guys remember, I, Sam, you weren't around for this, but originally, instead of a main topic, the, the main topic of our show each week was just the debate, and it was supposed to be us, you know, Ben, Neil, and, and I debating something about magic. So we're actually, Wait, you guys had a show before me? I know, it, it's tough to imagine, but it is in fact And true. people listen you, to it? You're right, right Sam. It, it was less of a show, it was more informational at the time. Mm-hmm. That <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> there was a lot fewer, or a lot fewer shenanigans, and... Uh, a lot of a lot more unique cards of the week each week, um, but yes, okay. So uh, I'll, I'll so we, we've set the stage for Modern Horizons. Uh, Sam, you, your thesis is that there were a lot of problems with the set. I guess you, I won't put the thesis in your mouth, but go ahead and yeah, I, present I, your opening statement. I'm not sure that that is my thesis. As a matter of fact, I I thought Modern Horizons, you know, it had some problems, and I would have preferred to see a little more creativity in some spots. But I don't think it was by any means a failure or a bad set. Um, okay. I thought that th- I, I guess I wish that some of the cards had been a little more clear in their purpose and not retreads of legacy cards. Like I, I was, I have said this many times, I'm sure, but I was disappointed by Giver of Runes, Cabal Therapist, um, you know the collected company card for sorceries, like just all of these cards that didn't really feel like they fit with anything that was going on and didn't, didn't feel like new cards unto themselves. They felt like what if you had heard of this other card before, uh, would you enjoy, you know, perhaps you would enjoy this, this card that's very similar, but different in some way that is, you know, clear and clearly worse. Um, I found that to be disappointing as the framing for the set. Um, but I think the new cards were, were wildly successful and a lot of fun. All right, Benjamin, how about you? Do, do you have a, a disagreement about cards like Cabal Therapist? Um, I, I, don't really, I don't really disagree that, it, that those few, few cards reek of a little creative bankruptcy, but like those are just such a small fraction of the cards in the set, to be totally honest. I think we might be a little biased because th- those were the ones that were like previewed sort of first. Um, right. But I don't, I don't think there are that many like totally brain dead callbacks in this set. I'm being a little harsh, I think for, I'm sorry, you know, Andrew Brown, if you're listening, but 
<laughs> you know, I, I think honestly, if the goal of Modern Horizons was to like reinvigorate some archetypes and to open up others due to powerful cards that they printed, I think it was just like, like an enormous success. I'm like looking through the spoiler page right now, and I see a bunch of cards that I've seen pop up here and there um, in Modern Leagues as like a powerful thing that you could be doing. Is it the best thing you could be doing? No, but like it is still powerful and is still like a kind of thing that you could have fun at FNM with, for example. Um, and I'm seeing actually a, a good number of cards that like promote interaction at like a powerful rate. Um, some rates might be too powerful. I don't know, but like cards like um, the snake, the baleful strix, um, the on thin ice plague engineer. Oh yeah. Uh, these are all the cards that I was talking about that I felt like were just retreads of legacy cards. Yeah, I think there's enough. Uh, I think there's enough zagging there that I that I'm fine with it. Like Anthon Ice is not that close to Swords to Plowshares, right? Like, oh, I didn't. I that that one I was was give a pass to. I'm more meant the Plague like, Engineer is not that close to Engineered Plague either. Just like the difference between being a creature and enchantment is just so huge. Sam, do you think that some of your your reaction to them is just like the names being so on the nose? Um... And like direct references to older cards. Like, do you, do you feel like you were just being hit by a, a sledgehammer on the flavor front that uh, may have you know hit your game designer, like irked irked you in that way? Yes, there was. It felt like there was a little too much for me of like get the joke. No, well, let me explain it to you. Uh, <laughs> right, <laughs> Which, I, the fact that that annoys you, me. it amazes me that we're friends. Actually. <laughs> Yeah, pretty arrogant of you to assume that we're friends. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, I, I could have, I could have predicted that. If, if somebody had paused time after I said that sentence, I could have, I could have told you like one hundred percent what either Ben or Sam was about to say in response. Some, uh, some Jonathan Joestar, Joestar style things. Your, your next line is. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't get that reference. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, that's good. What are you all, all the, about? all the listeners who, who are on the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure hype train, they, they know what I'm about. This is this is this is taking a turn. Anyways, um, back to. But I guess like my my point is that I think I I really do think once Hogak is banned, the cards in Modern Horizons are going to promote like pretty awesome stuff, like pretty wild decks. Like I've seen people play Sling Gang Lieutenant Pashalik Mons, right? And like maybe it's not the best thing you can do. But it's really cool and fun to be able to to finally get goblins a little more a little more juice, you know. Man, you just reminded me about Pashalikmons, and that made me sad too. Why? What's wrong with pa- oh? Because wait, because it's a uh, monster's goblin raiders. Yeah. It's just a it's just a character. It has like a really hit you in the face flavor text, and I don't know. For me, the world is richer. When there are some characters that I only imagine, if that makes sense. Like, I know there is a goblin who leads the Mons Goblin Raiders, but I don't know anything about them. I can imagine them to be as incompetent, because Mons Goblin Raiders is not a great card. It's not, you know, they're not, like, the height of competency, or as powerful and badass as I want. Like, it it adds a range to the world to me. I imagine there are many magic characters that you don't have cards and that you're free to imagine. Yeah, there are definitely are. Urza was also in the same space of like, 
you know, I remember when I was a kid, I was like, what would an Urza card look like? Urza's the most badass dude. He'd be like the most powerful. He'd be so strong. And then like, there's no way I think that you can design a card that feels appropriate for that, uh, for that thing. You know, I don't know. I think they did a pretty good job with the Urza card. I I think you might also just be in the minority here. Like, I think generally people, when they like characters, they like to see cards of them. Um, I also think that the Urza card did him justice in, in a really great way. So. Yeah, I, I actually like the Urza card pretty well. But I, I don't know. For me, there's a, there's a little too much of exploring every nook and cranny and not leaving some things to my imagination. Mm-hmm. So this, this is just a general, like preference you have is to is to leave some characters completely in the you know what if space and in in the story and uh not not get disappointed by their actual implementation which is never going to be perfect well i mean yeah like i like that there's urza's raid you know there's not there's no lack of urza cards and i feel like i could give you a pretty reasonable characterization as to what urza is about just from looking at the sum total of his cards um but like you don't need to have a creature of him. Mm-hmm. For example, he wears sunglasses. Also, he's glasses. a headmaster. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so I guess let's let's talk a little bit about instead of what the set was. Let's talk a little bit about the future of not just the Modern Horizons, but like this is really carrying on the the legacy that was started by Modern Masters. So, uh, as a direction of the Modern Masters, you know, legacy. Where would you like them to go from here? Uh, you know, do you do, would you like to see a Modern Horizons two next year or some other product of a different type? Do, if you if you were in charge, what would you be designing, Sam? I would be pretty happy to see a Modern Horizons two because I think the things they got right outweigh the things they got wrong for me by quite a lot, um, and I think they could you know they are going to run out of space of here's Mother of Runes but slightly worse and different, and like I would guess the next Modern Horizons is actually more original than this one if i had to guess so i would be excited to see where that goes because there's like a finite universe of these uh cards that they wanted to neuter and put into modern uh and they've gone through a lot of those is your argument okay yeah exactly ben how about you what 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 would would you like to see next from this yeah i would be i think it it was a great success I, i think they'll definitely do it again um i think i would be a little worried about the cadence of the sets um, I'm not sure one a year is supportable because um, you have to be really careful with power creep because modern is already sort of airing on the really powerful side and you are going to be walking a very fine tightrope if you want to print cards that will make it into modern but keep it at a like power level that people find acceptable. Um, I mean, I guess there's nothing wrong with scaling up the power level, but just trying to make sure the gameplay is is fun is is always a challenge with modern. Um, yeah, and one one worry is that if if modern stops being about you know here's all the cards that were printed in these regular sets and made their way to modern from standard over the past fourteen years, and it's instead like okay, fifty percent of these cards come from this three percent of the cards printed sets of Modern Horizons. Um, like that that might be a loss of identity for modern that would be bad. Yeah, modern is one of those things where like, you know, Summer Bloom probably existed for 5 years before anybody understood that you could build a deck with Amulet of Vigor in it or whatever. 
And I, I definitely agree with you that it, it might lose some of that feeling if the vast majority of cards just get printed in these straight-to-modern sets. Yeah. Um, I, all right, Sam, how about, how about you? Do you, have a, do you share that concern, or is that not something you're worried about at all? Um, no, I, I agree. And also, I've been, I felt a bit of just set fatigue with Modern Horizons. Like, normally, I feel like the Modern Masters-type sets are a spot for me to like take a break there's no new cards. It's not that big a deal. Like, I look at them, I see what's in them, but it doesn't really matter to me because those cards already exist. They're no, there's nothing new. I don't have to like use a bunch of brain space on them. And this was totally different. So I I felt a bit of uh, a bit of fatigue for that. And then you know, I felt like boom, War of the Spark was out. Boom, Modern Horizons out. Boom, M20 was out. So I definitely uh, agree with Ben. Like pacing these out a little bit is probably a good place to go and keeping the yeah like you said keeping the feel of modern is a celebration of the last i don't know 15 years of magic i don't actually know how far back modern goes at this point but uh i think keeping that feeling would be a really important thing and also i hope the next modern horizons has no free spells i don't know who thought that the thing in modern was that people were paying too much mana for their spells yeah i agree with that i think the free spell cycle was pretty bad but um I, I think one thing that they can try to do to be careful is to try to print like situational synergistic cards to boost cards that already exist in Magic, because then it's sort of a, a fun puzzle to find which ones already exist um, and work with your card. So something like cards... unearth to buff uh, Ranger Vios or whatever, or not Night, what whichever the one was, <laughs> not Ranger Vios, right? Ranger Captain, Ranger Vios. Captain Vios, right? Or you know, like cards like. Uh, crashing footfalls, um, like pumps these um, cask or like these alternate cost decks a little bit. That c- now they can try to like electro dominance you, um, or cards like undead auger, which buff a creature type that hasn't really seen tribal play in modern, but could potentially be powerful. Um, or cards like defile, which is like a powerful removal spell um, that could support an archetype that doesn't really exist. You know, and then you 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 sort of are like okay, well, like maybe if they print Cabal Coffers, now you can be like okay, well, like can I build my Defile Cabal Coffers deck? Like, is that Cabal Coffers was really good when it was in Standard? Like, is it good in Modern? Um, and that could be a cool way to inject those cards in a way that is fun and not power creepy. Mm-hmm. I think that's absolutely a great thing uh, that they they could aim to do. Yeah, I, I think that so. Actually, all, all three of us are pretty positive on Modern Horizons. Then, uh, all thing all things considered, um, more positive than I I, I. I was promised some complaining from Sam, but Sam, Sam, you've been pretty you've been pretty happy uh, for most of the specifics that we've been talking about, with a couple of kind of nitpicky uh, things that I think would make the set perfect for you. Yeah, I guess my frustration was that this it felt like low hanging fruit to not do it this way. So, like, I'm frustrated that they chose to do it this way. Because it seems like it would have been easy, easy enough to avoid these pitfalls. Uh, okay, so um, you're, you're seeing, you, like, you see it as you know they've hit a triple, but it was somebody who could easily hit a home run, like the, exactly. the idea. Yeah. And so, whereas Ben and I are looking at it from they hit a triple, and most sets are usually a single or a double. Yeah, I think that's a fair way to put it. I, I don't actually know. I, I'm not a baseball fan. I don't know if that's like a ridiculous. You know, I, th- th- those are just some words that I, I like. I think I think that that's an accurate way of how baseball works, but I. In fact, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure about this one because that's not particularly complicated. But uh, I don't want to give anybody the impression that this will be a sports metaphor show or anything um, going forward. 
Yeah, yeah Sam loves sports metaphors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a real hole-in-one of a metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, cool. Well, I think there's not too much left for us to explore with this topic. I think I think we've done a pretty good job of kind of covering our thoughts on it. A little bit of a, a shorter one this week. Um, but let's let's move on to closing out our show with an end story, and then we'll be back next week, perhaps with a, a meatier, hardier subject. Um, Sam, you are the, the story bearer this week. Take it away. Yeah, so this story comes to us from a long time ago, Pro Tour Oath of the Gatewatch. Um, we, as a team, had all decided to play this colorless Eldrazi deck, and uh, we had attended the Grand Prix, which was Grand Prix Vancouver, the week before. So, you know, we went and played the Grand Prix, uh, and then we're flying from Vancouver to Atlanta. And one of the things about the colorless deck was it was a little tough to fill out the last couple sideboard slots because, you know, there's not that many good options for your mono colorless deck. So we were trying to figure out exactly what we should what we should play. And one option we were considering was Ratchet Bomb. We felt like it was good against Affinity and, you know, had some other matchups where it was reasonable. And we're going through airport security and we're all, you know, going together and Paulo keeps is like, yeah, I can't decide if we should play two or three bombs. I'm not sure what the best number is. And we're we're all like, Paulo, please stop talking about this right now. This is not a good time to be to be saying that. And he looks around and goes, What, is there another team nearby? <laughs> <laughs> and then he figures out that he probably should stop saying bomb at the airport. Oh my goodness. Uh, that is gonna be all for us this week though. We will unite again next week for more Allied Strategies. Tristan, what the heck? Hmm? Pick your own card of the week. I did. Pick your own card of the week. What the heck is this? It's a What's one-two what? prowess, but we'll save it for the podcast. This isn't even funny. It's not a repetitive card. Yeah, it is. You did attacks for one every turn. You want to just do perpetual timepiece again? We can we can bust that one out. No, Benjamin. You you're yeah, bound to yeah. What is funny about perpetual timepiece? We did it as card of the week for I want to say three weeks in a row. I don't get it. Why is that funny? Uh, it's it, the joke is too sophisticated for you. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Okay.